It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. Welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. It is Conscious Capitalism Month, the month of May here for this podcast. And so throughout the month, I've been talking about it. We'll continue to do so, featuring elements of conscious capitalism or the conference that happened in Dallas earlier this month. So yes, I have yet another extra for you on a May weekend. I'm delighted that you're spending some time with me. Might be Saturday morning you're hearing this hot off the wires wherever you download podcasts, or maybe you're catching it Sunday, or maybe you're catching this months later. I know you're going to enjoy this conversation. So, for this Rule Breaker Extra, well, let me describe how it came about. A great friend of the Fool named Audrey Robertson, who does some contract work for us and is a longtime employee, formerly of the Container Store, was at the Conscious Capitalism Summit with me in Dallas. And I said to Audrey, Audrey, can you just find me a few interesting people, some entrepreneurs? And just bring them in and let's just talk to them. And Audrey did a good job of that. I mean, it's kind of a great place to find entrepreneurs because at the Conscious Capitalism Summit, there were about 800 attendees earlier this month in Dallas. A lot of them entrepreneurs, some very successful and interesting people just kind of wheeling around the hallways or catch them after the conference for a drink. It's just a great opportunity to meet interesting people. And that's why I'm psyched to share this conversation with you. So, what we're going to enjoy together is three entrepreneurs, Susie Batiz, Brian Schultz, and Mickey Agrawal. And I want to say a little bit about them up front because I don't really formally introduce them during this podcast. We're just sitting down and, and talking. So, you should know I kind of introduced them in a certain order, and I'm going to give you their bios right now in the order in which they'll appear in this conversation. So, first up is Susie Batiz. Now, Susie is the inventor, founder, and CEO of Poopuri. You may have seen this company's products. It's a company that devises and sells fragrance sprays for, you betcha, toilets. Susie is an expert in entrepreneurial intuition. She's a serial entrepreneur. She created an exponentially growing enterprise worth $300 million. That's her company, Poopery. And she did that without borrowing a dime or enlisting a single investor. And today, Susie often will be teaching entrepreneurs. That's something she did at the conference. The feminine approach to business, how to harness intuition, body intelligence and creative energy to achieve a natural, in her words, a natural flow state of success. That's Susie. And then next joining the conversation is Brian Schultz. Now, years ago, while working on a senatorial campaign, Brian Schultz stopped into a combined movie theater and restaurant for a brief respite, and he immediately found his future business. Realizing how revolutionary this combination was and how he could do a much better job of it, Brian would go on to found Studio Movie Grill. Today, his company makes $200 million a year through 24 theater restaurants in 10 states. And true to the philosophy of conscious capitalism, all the way, Schultz has emphasized that, and I quote, the more you give, the more you get. And finally, we're then joined by Mickey Agrawal. Now, Mickey is a serial social entrepreneur. She was the recipient of the Tribeca Film Festival's Disruptive Innovation Award. She was named 2017 Young Global Leader by the World Economic Forum. And she was one of Inc. Magazine's most impressive women entrepreneurs of 2016. She made the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine that year as well. Since she's a serial entrepreneur, I can't possibly go over the different things that she started. You'll hear her talk about a few of them. But I do note, for example, if you're a fan of the farm-to-table alternative pizza concept, called Wild. For example, they have three locations in New York City, New Yorkers, one in Guatemala, more on the way, eatdrinkwild.com. That's her business. She also wrote a book, 
through HarperCollins, published a few years ago. And the title of that book, I won't say here because she'll say it on the podcast, but I should let you know that the title could slightly endanger my very proud label of clean lyrics on iTunes because the title of her book contains a bad word. It's not a horrible word. You'll hear her use it. Uh, You can certainly briefly cover your ears or those of your children if you're listening together if a word that has four letters and starts with the letters S-H is not to your liking. Just realize that was her book. It's a good book through HarperCollins. She does have a second book she mentions coming out this fall called Disrupt Her. It's kind of like Disruptor, but Disrupt H-E-R. All right, enough of that. Let's get started. And now I'm joined by, well, actually, I have a trio of entrepreneurs and great actors, not just in the business world, but in the world of life. And we're just going to kind of bounce it around. But for each of you, just a quick rapid fire format where I want to hear your story. And Susie Batiza, I'd like to start with you, if that's okay. We do have to say that Mickey's here with me, and we both like really specialize in the lower chakra. Mm-hmm. You know, we are both root chakra kind of butt people. Just got to say that. Got it. The fact that there's two entrepreneurs in the poop space. <laughs> exactly. Right here is pretty awesome. We're definitely in the poop space. Well, I'm, I'm going to just start by asking you, what is your company? My company is Poopery. And when did you start? I started about 12 years ago. How did it start? Well, I was at a dinner party and my brother-in-law said, can odor be trapped? And I had this aha moment, and I remember going, hold on, like, I can do that, because I worked with oils. And I thought, oh, oil floats on water, like, I can figure out how to do this. It took me about a year to formulate it and create the formula, but I did it. And Susie, roughly how many bottles of poopery did you sell over the last 12 months? Oh, I have no idea. I know I've sold total, yeah, I know that I've sold about 50 or 60 million bottles so far. That is just amazing. There are people that know that. Yes, okay. I understand. Um, you are the CEO, though, right? So clearly I, you're just doing a great job know. delegating. I should know. <laughs> All right, Susie, I want you to brag about something, yep. and then I'd like for you to talk about a challenge or mistake that you've made. It's kind of a standard question for a CEO. Yeah, so I'd like to brag about um, the viral video that I had in 2000, I don't know, it was four years ago, 2014, I think. Uh Um, Actually, I created a video that was not supposed to go viral, and it did. So at that point, we were only doing $8 million a year. We were a tiny company. Within two weeks, we had sold all of our inventory, and we were $4 million in back order. That is unbelievable. Like, it was pretty crazy. Were you expecting it to go viral? Oh, no. No way. Everybody kept telling me, a consumer goods product cannot have a viral video video. It doesn't happen. Do not expect it. I'm like, okay, great. Let's just get online and test. And then what happened is it got shared online. And then just one morning, like BuzzFeed got it, Huffington Post, everybody, and it was just done. And for those who've not seen it, clearly not many because it went viral. But can you give the you know 10 second plot summary? Yeah, it's called Girls Don't Poop. And Bethany, our um, redhead Um, English girls in a toilet and she kicks open the door and she says you're not going to believe the mother load that I just dropped in here much alone the creamy behemoth I just birthed from my cavernous bowels wow okay (laughs) I could keep going on but but you can watch it online I think that videos had over 200 million views on Facebook and YouTube do you have people asking you I'm an entrepreneur how do I make a viral video yeah and I tell them that you don't know there are some formulas that you can do and one of 
them, it has to be hilarious as hell. Okay, mm-hmm. um, it has to be shocking. And um, I don't particularly make viral videos. I make videos that convert. So I make videos that are meant to sell a product. Yeah, and explain a product and demonstrate it. And then now, buy now. I even made a music video called Imagine Where You Can Go. Because no one, I said, has anybody ever made a music video with a blatant call to action? (laughs) People said, no. I'm like, let's do it. So we did. Have you seen it? Yeah, yeah, it's great. Yeah. yeah, but it was just I just wanted to do it. Yep. So we made a whole music video, and it was like, bye now. Uh-huh. You know, click here. And then before we move on to Brian, let me ask you what what is what is a hope that you have? What is a hope for your business or yourself, thinking of the future? <clears throat> yeah, well, um, my mentor tells me that I'm a hope addict, um, and it's really kind of funny because hope is like my drug of choice. Um, so I hope for a lot. I hope sometimes to the point of denial, um, which is why it can be an issue. But <laughs> so you have a lot of things you could give as an answer to this question. I have a lot of things, but my overall my overall wish in the world is that everybody understood that you can create any reality that you want. Mm-hmm. Like you really can make anything you want come true. Like that's it. So that's my hope. Is that everybody knew that we'd all be creating and be really happy. That, that is great. awesome. That is Absolutely awesome. awesome. Just leaving it's that true. one right there. Yeah, just cut it There's, right there. Good. <laughs> yeah. All right, good. So, so. Drop the mic. <laughs> next, next we're, we're shifting to Brian Schultz. Brian, great to have you here. Thank you. Yeah, thank you. Great to be here. What's your company? Studio Movie Grill. Uh, so we created the space of in-theater dining where you can eat and watch a movie at the same time. And how did that start? Well, it started through a lot of different iterations, but uh, we started with one screen of sub-run movies and some warm beer and uh, frozen chicken tenders, and it's kind of evolved into a full-service concept with luxury recliners and laser projectors and 13 million guests a year, so it's kind of been a fun a fun journey. And a matter of fact, I'm about to celebrate in September 25 years of this, uh, of this journey. So I'm a little bit older than y'all. So that is awesome, Brian. Um, where was your first theater? First uh, theater right here in Dallas, Texas, right on Greenville Avenue, kind of an old historic 1948 theater, which is known for having the first ever cartoon of Bugs Bunny right on the wall on the mural. So historic. Awesome. And where are you now? that you've grown 25 years later. Yeah, we're in 10 states. We're in 30 locations and just kind of spreading up uh, mostly to communities that, you know, need a little shot in the arm that really want great entertainment because we get to be kind of the the place where the community takes us as a platform for showing content. And our purpose is opening hearts and minds one story at a time. And what is kind of the consumer promise, Brian? If I'm a prospect, I've not yet been to Studio Movie Grill. Yeah. What, 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 what's my experience going to be like? Well, first I'd call you a guest. So I'd say it's hospitality. So on the lowest level, you would be using us as a traditional movie theater. But really it's the hospitality of get, getting dinner, drinks, and a movie in a conscious environment with people that are really caring for you all at the same time. And then you get this community involvement at Studio Movie Grill just kind of gets a different guest that really engages with the movie, whether you're laughing, crying, or you know, just being scared. It's kind of a neat environment that we set up, so it's really communal, almost like being in your own living room with a really comfortable chair and just the killer, killer sound and picture. That's wonderful. About a year ago on this podcast, I had Danny Meyer on, uh, Shake Shack fame, etc. And he, I remember I'm a, bi- from I'm a big his, fan. I bet you're a big yeah. fan. I was thinking that's what I'm hooking in here. I m- remember him saying, "Hospitality, by his definition, is when you walk into a place and you feel like those that are there serving are for you. They're for 
you that sense, and I can see it's clearly laced right into Brian Schultz's business. Yeah, no, it's a big part of what we do, and this um, conscious capitalism model has really helped us so that we can really hit all the stakeholders, including our vendors, our guests, all our team members, and then the uh, investors and community. The community was the trickiest one, interestingly enough, because it started with me really advocating content that I was really into and really cared about. And now it's evolved into creating the conditions so any community, any individual guest can host an event through crowdsourcing or whatnot and get a message across opening people's hearts and minds. So that's actually the thing that I'm probably the most uh, proud of. And my hope is that we can do it for more and more people across the country. You already anticipated my next question, which is what is the I, hope it, that you have? I was going to say it's not as cool as this lower chakra stuff that we're going to be talking about <laughs> later but you know <laughs> at least we're you know we're trying to open things so you know that's good so what we're hearing from is we're hearing from entrepreneurs who have private companies today we're not talking about as has before we go to Mickey Susie yep Brian has either of you thought about going public I haven't um, I'm privately held I'm debt free I've never had a loan and I've never had an investor so I maybe I'm a control freak. I don't know, um, but I yeah I feel really proud that I built the company um, with just the the profits that I that I made. Remarkable, but you're not going to share that with investors. You know, one reason people listen to Rule Breaker Investing is they want to hear about you know what's a good stock that they could buy. But nobody, it sounds like nobody can buy what you have, Susie. No, buy a great <laughs> product right though. now. They can buy a great product yeah. exactly. <laughs> Yeah. about you, Brian? Yeah, I think we're on a, a progression that we think a public exit could be really interesting because our goal is really spreading this gospel and creating a positive wake in the world. So the more we can grow across the country. Um, so public is one of the choices that uh, we'd love to explore. All right. And now I want to introduce a third voice to the microphone, a third guest. I guess a fourth voice, but I don't, I don't really, I don't count. I was going to jump in yeah. that the chicken nachos... I haven't been to Studio Movie Girl in a while. I just don't watch movies. But, God, those chicken nachos were so good. Thanks. You know, it's, I remember them. It's actually interesting that you'd pick that one because that's one of my recipes. Really? So that's kind of our, tra that's our trash can. So, so if I'm having a really, really tough day, oh, yeah. that's kind of a comfort food. Oh, yeah. So now we've kind of evolved into you know, sushi and high-end, yeah. uh, different kinds of products. But we still you know, want to make sure that we have the trash can nachos and oh, uh, different items nachos. like that. Can't wait to try it. They're so good. Mm -hmm. Like They're really good. Frozen hot, frozen hot chocolate with Nutella beignets is kind of my favorite combo. Get out. <laughs> yeah. All right. Let's, let's turn down there. the lights and start a movie because I want to be movie. served. Yeah. Exactly. I want to yeah. nachos and beignets. My third guest is Mickey Agrawal. Mickey is a fellow board member of the Conscious Capitalism Board of Directors. Uh, Mickey, you and I have got to know each other a little bit. Yes. I think you've got to know my brother Tom maybe a little bit better. I love you both. You've even met And your sister, sister who that's is amazing, so beautiful. Mickey. She's gorgeous. Well, that's kind of you to say. Now, because I do work with Mickey, I have a little bio I can share of her. And this is just fun to read. So, And this is only a portion of it. Of course, we all have elaborate bios that I'm sure are amazing. But Mickey is an identical twin, half Japanese, half Indian, French-Canadian, former professional soccer player, graduate of Cornell University, and proud new mama of Hero Happy. She's also a serial social entrepreneur. Um, you were on the cover of Entrepreneur Magazine a couple of years ago, Mickey. And, uh, and you've received a lot of acclaim for the things that you've started. You're a serial social entrepreneur. Is that an accurate description? That's your bio. 
Yes, um, and I'm a I'm an author too. Actually, I wrote a book called Do Cool Shit, which teaches people how to start businesses. And I also have a new book coming out called Disrupt Her, which is all about how you can disrupt the status quo and invent whatever you want in your life. Awesome. So each of the other three of us tend to be sort of one company people, and we're kind of building it up. We're bootstrapping it. We're figuring it out. You're just touching off all kinds of good chaos in the world, Mickey. How do you like organize your time? What do you single out as your proudest achievement? Help us. There's um, so much. Yeah, I mean, I think I, I have a soft spot in my heart for all of the businesses. I think the restaurant, you know, is one of the thankless, craziest businesses in the world, as you know very well. And um, you know, I the one thing that I love about it is, you know, I have people when I first started 2005, nobody was talking about gluten free. It, the restaurant's a gluten free, farm to table, organic pizza concept, and you know, at the time, nobody was doing gluten free, organic, farm to table pizza for that matter, and. Um, and so I would have people coming in saying, I haven't eaten pizza in 20 years. And they would break down and cry. I've had people have their first dates in my restaurant and fall in love. And I've had people like, you know, come after they've been to, you know, City Hall getting married and say, this is the restaurant that we love that we come and we want to come here right after we got married. And it's like those kinds of stories have just ge- genuinely kept me going because the rest of it is so hard. Um, and um and so that's that's what I love about the restaurant. It, it really builds community. It's a place of gathering. You break bread in anyone's home. The kitchen's a place to break bread. And I think it's, um, you know, I, I just I just love the food space. And so that's, you know, luckily I have an incredible partner, Walid, who runs the restaurants. And I simply could not do it without him. He's like, you know, the the incredible operator. Um, so yeah, so then from there, um, built um, a period-proof underwear brand um, called Thinks. And, and we, you know, one of the things that happened was when I, when I was running from one restaurant to another, I kept forgetting to change my tampon and pad, would have accidents and would, you know, would have leaks and have to run home and change, interrupt my days. It was really frustrating. And so, um, you know, created a period-proof underwear. It took four years to create this product, um, you know, and also at the same time, eliminate the shame around having a period. In fact, every human being is here because of it. So why have shame around it? And so um, we created a product. You're here because of it. You're here because of it. You're here. Everyone's here. Yeah. And so, you know, create a new product that was that was, you know, not one of the three, you know, feminine hygiene products that were invented in the entire 20th century. And so, you know, uh, we thought this would be a really interesting product and it and it grew. We've sold millions of pairs, um, over 25 million units sold um, to date. And um, you know, very proud to have to have built that and eliminated shame in the period space. People are like, "I have my period." What? <laughs> and so then I built um, through that. I also built a, a pee-proof underwear product um, that really looks at urinary incontinence market that you know depends and poison. These awful products are you know making women not feel full you know fully empowered and wearing diapers again and pull-ups is just not cool. And so we created these beautiful underwear that supports women during that time as well, um, which is by the way one in three women. Um, you know, sometimes I just had a baby. And so sometimes when I sneeze, I have to like squeeze my legs a little bit, <laughs> um, which is normal. Yeah. Anyway, so um, then most recently and what I'm working on and focusing all my love and attention on now is a company called Tushy, which is um, bringing bidets to America. So as you said earlier, I'm mm-hmm. half Japanese and half Indian. Both cultures grew up with bidets and um, 
you know, my, my parent, my, my family in India and Japan are like, Americans are barbaric, you know, like, why aren't we, you know, why are we still using dry paper to, to, to clean the dirtiest parts of our body? If you think about it, would you use dry paper to clean your dishes? No. Would you use dry paper to clean, you know, your, the rest of your body, you jump in the shower, you know, and people would call you crazy if you were like, oh no, my dish, my dirty dishes is clean with dry paper and putting it back on the shelf. It's crazy. So, you know, we want to bring bidets to America and change that conversation. And with a low cost, bidet attachment that's only $69 compared to the Japanese bidets, which are thousands of dollars, which require plumbing electric. This one doesn't require plumbing or electric at all. What, what a weird connection. Uh, my mom actually wanted that, so I got that for her as a gift. No But I did not I did not put it together till just now. Wow. That, I knew we that had is like karma. to bring this moment. <laughs> wow. These people together. That's so crazy. Well, this is what yeah. happens, right? When you create real products in the real world that actually serve real and, people. And I, will, I would oh, thank you. I would also like to add that do not go to tushy.com. It is a porn site. Go to hellotushy.com. Please. I've been there. Yeah. Yeah. I, we've had investors. Like, like, I just invested in a company called Tushy. Let me show you. And they were, they were like, they're inv- it was just, it was bad. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Mickey, I want to ask you the conscious capitalism question. How did you find it? How did it find you? Yeah, um, I was invited to speak in 2015, and um, that was a great presentation. That, thank, Amazing. Thank yeah, you. Great. Yeah, and I brought my twin sister Rada to present with me, and right after our talk, um, John and and Walter Robb got up to speak, and this was a time where, where where Whole Foods had to had to lay off like you know a few thousand, fifteen hundred people or something. It was the first time in their thirty years of business they had to lay people off. And I remember seeing them just so vulnerable on stage. These these, these Fortune 500 like CEOs just pr- pretty much crying on stage, and and I remember sobbing, watching them cry, talking about how they had to lay people off, and how Walter was like, I had to like every time I go to bed, I just have to wake up and like look towards the light. I just have to tell myself, look towards the light. And I was just like so in awe by the vulnerability of these grown men who who have these sixteen billion dollar business. And just sharing that, and I was just like, I wanna, I wanna be part of that because you know, in business, it's very masculine. It's very like, duh, 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 you know, and to to feel that vulnerability, I think this is the conscious capitalism movement is really supports. I met Susie here, I met you here. It's just incredible people. And do you, you feel know, that's starting here. to evolve and change a little bit? <laughs> I, well, it's, just, I, it's just really I interesting because what 62 64 percent of all college uh, graduates now are are women as i'm seeing through our company of the management ranks mm. more and more i mean it, we started yeah, off 6%. maybe like in the single digits and you know now we're kind of sneaking up on maybe like 40 50 percent uh, female management i mean it's really uh, a thing that's changing pretty dramatically based on education and achievement and focus. Are are you seeing that at all? I mean, I think in the entrepreneurial space, women are still not getting invested in. I mean, to raise money for my newest company, people were like, why are you capable? And I'm like, I just built the same kind of company just like last week. Like, so it it, it really was a challenge to raise money again. Like there's this genuine gender bias study where, you know, men, you know, are are sort of um, judged on their potential and women are judged on what they've done and they have to prove it again. It's called prove it again, gender bias. Hmm. And there's still a very real in business like only six percent of women sit on decision making boards to invest in companies only four percent of women are getting invested in i mean it's really it's real like um and 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 i and i even having built you know a business that of you know of of many millions of dollars was still very very hard Hmm. to raise 
I guess if that's true, and I believe Mickey's that's why experience, she I was going to say, Susie, one way around that is you just don't raise any money Which at all. Which is why I'm so impressed yeah, by you, Susie. you don't raise any money. And, you know, I get asked a lot, like, how's it feel being a woman in business? And I always say, I'm a person in business. And they say, well, what if you're a table with nine men? I said, I'm at a table with nine people, mm-hmm. right? So I don't get too much into the women-men conversation. I'm very much pro-woman, and I'm very much pro Men and I've never actually experienced. Um, I've experienced in my personal relationships uh, being, you know, oppressed by choosing a wrong a wrong date, but I've never really felt that in business um, myself. Mm-hmm. But. I don't listen to that. Like when I walk into the room, I'm not walking in the room as a woman. You know, I, I, was, I agree with that. For you know sure. what I'm saying? I've like, definitely felt it, but I hear you. You don't. You don't use it. Well, we on your all phone. have different yeah, no. paths, and we come from different yeah, places. And I don't, and and so I don't think don't about it. Yeah. yeah, and my company is 78 percent women. Mm. You know, amazing. I know, and I didn't even think about that until somebody said, "What percentage of your company is women?" I was like, "Oh, I don't know." And we went to the roster. I'm like, "Oh, 78 percent." Like, who knew? You know, it's really interesting though, because you know, I get to see about 150 films a year. Wow. And, um, I can just feel the energy, and it feels like we kind of have this canary in the the coal mine because all the stories are are significantly changing. Where there's a female protagonist that yes. aren't stories based on like a love interest. So when we when we looked, yeah, but we started studying a lot of these uh, movies over time. And uh, my oldest daughter did a, a research paper and they went to try and find a film like in the 1970s mm-hmm. to the There's 1980s. Term for that. What's that term? Well, gender bias? I don't no, no, know. No, I don't term, know the, the term where women only talk with other women in films. Or, or, or are looking for a love interest. Yeah. Okay. The Bechtel test. Oh. The Bechtel test. That Thank you. Right. Yeah, Very Bechtel nice. test. So it's interesting. She was writing about that. And as she's seen the change, and it's actually empowered her to uh, study filmmaking, uh, to really tell stories from different perspectives. So it's so cool to see this kind of wave of change. And not just on the male-female perspective, but actually inclusion of uh, minorities. And I think that fits in our conscious capitalism uh, model as I get to watch a lot of these films that have about a two-year kind of uh, set up to get them to market. I can feel this wave kind of going. And as people watch, uh, it really changes uh, changes the view. A matter of fact, I was watching uh, the Avengers Infinity War uh, nice. on, uh, yeah, just literally. About, I have tens of millions of others just it's in the our, first it, week it was, It's our all-time record uh, attendance. And <laughs> I, there was these teenage boys that come from an affluent, you know, just very, you know, uh, typical type uh, background. And seeing all these white boys chanting the Watondan cheer during the movie, initially I was annoyed. I'm like, why are these teenagers talking? And then I just started literally sobbing. I'm like, this is exactly what movies can do. And this is kind of how our culture can change by having strong women in strong positions or characters in film, you know, so these are the archetypes that people look at, whatever it is might be in your book. It might be in a story or might just be a great person. And and that's what our conscious capitalism, I I hope aspires to is that changing the world in a positive way. That and wonder women. (laughs) We love wonder women. (laughs) Well, the clock keeps pushing forward. We have a conference that we're all part of, and we probably need to get back to that. But before we finish up, I want to thank Susie Batiz, Brian Schultz, and Mickey Agrawal for joining us on Rule Breaker Investing for the wisdom that you're sharing and for the good work that you're doing in the world. And I want to ask you, can we just get one more 
gem of thinking from each of you before we go. We do have a lot of entrepreneurs who listen and invest with Rule Breaker Investing. And so you're speaking to brothers and sisters in Startupville. And I know that you have far more bits of advice than the one I'm going to ask you for. And I feel like I kept going to Susie first. So let's go to Mickey and flip it back around the table with a last in, first out right. approach because we're all Lifo. business people too. Yes. LIFO. So, so Mickey, what do you got? Um, I think my favorite saying that I share with, with everyone, including myself, is iteration is perfection and stagnation is death. Um, which then the idea behind that is, you know, it's the iterative process that's perfect. It's not about being perfect or trying. And then it's like once you've like opened doors to your restaurant, you're done. It's like, no, no, no. You have to keep going. You have to keep iterating. You have to keep adjusting. You have to keep listening. You have to keep figuring it out. And the ones who, who literally stop are the ones who die. They say that only less than 10% of companies from 19, Fortune 500 companies from 1955 are left, to, are, are left mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. So it's just it's all about making those quick adjustments and, and those minor adjustments constantly. Awesome. Brian? Maybe I'll take an investing uh, perspective. So as an investor, I've really chosen to invest in people and products that really matter and make a difference. And I've found that it's just starting to really take off that the companies that have a great culture and do something that really matters in the world actually have the best returns as well. I agree with you, although I don't necessarily think that's just starting and taking off, Brian, because I think looking backward, or you think about Raj Sisodia's book, Firms of Endearment, I think this is possibly a timeless truth that maybe is only becoming more emergent now because more of us care and notice and build that way as each of you has. And I want to appreciate you for bringing that to the forefront. Well, awesome. thanks a lot. I don't think I, it need, the world needed me to do that. It was going to happen. Right? It's one of those things. The universe is conspiring to make all of these great things happen. But I totally agree with your point. And thank you, Brian. Yeah, Susie. Actually, I've never uttered this before in an interview or a podcast, but it suddenly just popped in. And I think it's based on what we were talking about earlier. Um, the advice that I have for someone like an entrepreneur or startup is keep blinders on and really keep people around you that are positive that believe in you like the people that are trying to oppress you or the negative naysayers just really block them out like literally keep blinders on like a horse where you 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 don't they don't matter you know don't listen to them okay because that's what you're gonna need you're gonna need that positive energy and positive spirit to just move forward so surround yourself by people that love you people that believe in you and that's it I love it. Got it. Love and, you know, one of my favorite lines, and I've delivered it many times before in the two and a half years of this podcast, Henry Ford, whether you think you can or whether you think you cannot, you're right. And I know you each know that. And obviously, I happen to be surrounded by optimists because I do believe that optimism is a creative force. It's not just a state of mind or an emotion. And so, indeed, when you do believe, if it takes blinders sometimes to do it, Susie, um, you end up, as you said earlier, anything's possible. And you've demonstrated that. Yeah, one thing that was, I mean, well, I um, I built my business during, like, 2008 was one of the worst, <laughs> you know, times yeah. in our economy. And I remember people used to tell me, like, oh, my God, look what's happening. I don't watch the news. I haven't watched the news in 15 years. I really keep blinders on, uh-huh. literally. Yeah. Like, I don't read any news feed. Hilarious. Yeah. My news is the optimist daily. Yeah. Um, and people tell me enough, right? So I get enough information. Sure. But um, I remember people would say, like, look, look what's going on. Look what's happening in the financial world. You know, everything's crashing. It's burning. And my husband used to, you know, he'd be driving, look, look at that business. 
like, you got to watch out. My uh, people that were advisors would call me. And, and what I would always come back to is my reality is I'm abundant. I see what you're talking about, but I, I'm profitable and I'm making money. Yeah. So I would never let that fear get to me. I really would just, I kept blinders on. Like, you know what? That I hear what you're saying. I see what you're talking about. <laughs> what if you weren't profitable? Well, then that would have been a different story, you know, but I was. So it's like, that's what I mean, though. If you are profitable, like, keep those blinders on, dude, because what's happening in the rest of the world or around you doesn't necessarily have to affect you. All right. We're going to leave it right there. And in fact, we did leave it right there. But what fun I had with those three and at the conference overall and a brief reflection about that. I think some of my favorite people in business are often the founders of companies, the entrepreneurs, the people who had a dream and acted on it and made it happen, they usually have really bright personalities. And so, if you've got some entrepreneurs in your, your life, you may well be one yourself. We're all, aren't we, at heart entrepreneurs. Then you know how fun it is to spend time with people who've really been there and done that and created real value for others in this world through businesses that, in consciously capitalistic terms, we say elevate humanity. Businesses that really elevate humanity. So, really fun for me to share that conversation with you. All right. Well, that's it for our weekend extra. Just a reminder, coming up this week, the very next Rule Breaker Investing will be a continuation, the latest installment of my Great Quotes Volume X series. This will be Great Quotes Volume 8. In past components of the series, I've done the all Warren Buffett Quotes edition. Often, I just pull some of my favorites without a theme. But this week, because it's Conscious Capitalism Month, I'm going to be pulling lines that I found at the Conscious Capitalism Conference. Some great quotes for you, some challenges to your thinking, some inspirational quotes. I look forward to sharing that with you this coming Wednesday. In the meantime, fool on. As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com. 